Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So we have an individual here today that, you know, as I'm, I'm looking at, at his, his history and looking at his bio, he definitely has a, a hell of a story. And, you know, I like to give whoever I'm interviewing with a particular nickname. So for this case, I think his name is going to be um, highly lucrative to who, anyone that's listening is going to kind of tell you what we're going to be talking about. So I'm going to name him the gym boss, right? But he's going to be able to tell you wh- why I'm calling him the gym boss. So, George, the floor is yours. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about you and what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, for sure, brother. Yeah. Um, so my name is George. Um, I really like the nickname Jim Boss. Thanks for having me on, man. And um, I, my little my background is um, I was actually born in Japan, raised in China. I didn't move to the U.S. until I was uh, about 10 years old. I uh, grew up East Coast. Um, similar to a lot of people that got into fitness, um, came from a, a little bit of a troubled childhood. It was very turbulent, right? Um, fitting in and growing up was really difficult. And I always felt like an outsider, right? Like, um, it wasn't until one day when I turned 18 that I had a really tough moment with myself looking in the mirror when I just addressed the fact that I just didn't like myself. Um, that was when I decided to do something about it. Um, that was the point in which my whole life turned around completely. Um, I would describe the first 18 years of my life was apathetic, complete apathy, right? It's like, um, my mom would ask me like, Hey, what about this? What about that? I was like, I don't know. I don't care. I don't know. I don't care. You know? Um, once I got into fitness, though, everything turned around for me completely, right? So I went off to college. I went from an underachiever to um, not really an overachiever, but I, I think I achieved all right. Um, but uh, turned into a good student, uh, built my own major, uh, health marketing entrepreneurship, the whole nine yard. After I graduated, it became exactly what I'm doing right now. Right? So um, I ended up just wanting to dive into building a business to learn how to provide value and just pretty much landed uh, through sheer luck um, this opportunity where I started being able to help a lot of gym owners and form my own community of supporting gym owners at scale uh, by helping them market their gyms, getting people in the door, uh, transforming people's lives, similar to how I did when I was 18. So uh, that's kind of like a little uh, quick intro. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, this 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 unpack some of that, right? I mean, obviously, with your business today, and I've read some some of your stats. I mean, obviously, you took some businesses that were you know making a couple thousand bucks to a hundred thousand bucks a hundred thousand bucks a month. You've done that with your businesses, and you've done that with hundreds of other businesses as well, too. So, let's just talk about like how has that helped to grow those businesses? I mean, what are you doing to help them? Like, are you just doing marketing or do you have a complete system and strategy behind the scenes that you kind of help them learn to grow with? Mm, good question. Well, I think as with all things, um, building a business or anything worthy of pursue, in my opinion, it's, it's kind of like an iceberg, right? It's like outside looking in, you always see the tip of the iceberg, but what happens in reality is there's always like what's below the ocean level, right? Where's the bulk of the iceberg take place? Um, so whether it's growing our business or helping our partners grow theirs, um, it's more than what meets the eyes, right? It's like initially when we first started the business, we, like this was like four years ago, what I really wanted to learn as a fresh college grad was uh, what is providing value, right? It's like, uh, because we, we talk about it all the time, but what does that mean, right? So, so for me, the first skill I wanted to learn more about was just marketing, uh, Facebook and Instagram ads specifically, 
because my brother was working at Facebook at the time. He was an account manager that was managing, I think it was like $90 million a quarter. So I, I knew Facebook ads worked, right? So, so that was the first piece that I learned. But as I started diving into the world of business, um, a lot of cold calls and uh, a lot of uh, just really tough experiences, right? It's like, I learned very quickly that you needed to learn a lot more to be able to help the people you're looking to help. Uh, namely for gym specifically, when, once I started working with gym owners, um, after we nailed down the lead generation piece, uh, the first piece, which is mar- marketing, right? The next piece was like, all right, well, how do we get people in the door? And then the next piece after that, it's like, okay, well, how does the conversation sound for you to actually convert them into a paying member or paying client that really wants to stick into the gym for the long haul, right? Um, and then how do you keep them? Um, so, so lead generation, lead nurturing, sales process, um, fulfillment, all those pieces, uh, essentially what we realized that so we need to learn as much of it as possible to be able to provide as much value as possible to our clients that we're looking to serve. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting. And, and I hear how confident you are. And it, it, it's, it kind of reminds me of, I think you had a video on Instagram and it was like maybe about two years, three years ago. And you were saying you were looking at your younger self and you were saying that, you know, you always designed to put your best foot forward and you know not saying that was something that was negative but trying to get approval from other people so right now listening to you and hearing the way you're you're delivering this i would think that person is not who you are today through and through so i want you to talk about that transition like how did you go from being the person that was looking for validation from other people to becoming the boss you are right now Mm, i appreciate that question man because um I think a lot of people go through it, right? Because the, the sense of wanting approval is a, is, a, is a biological want that all human beings have, right? It's like, for us, it's, it's almost survival, right? Because uh, when we were hunters and gatherers, let's say way back in the day, like if we track it, trace it up to our ancestors, if you, did, if you weren't liked by your tribe, then you were kicked out. And what did that mean? That meant you were going to die, right? So it's either you're liked by people that you're surrounded by or you're going to die, right? Yeah. And for, for me, I think that played a really big role growing up just because I moved from halfway across the world where I didn't speak a word of English over to this entire other world, right? It's like where all of a sudden I'm 10 years old and everything that I knew of around me, it was like completely ripped away from me. Um, and what it felt like was like constantly I was uh, on the on the fringe of things, right? It's like, I, I just wasn't, I, I wasn't able to make friends easily. I wasn't able to connect with people easily um, just because I was so different, right? So, so that's where a good chunk of my wanting approval from other people and also from myself came from. Um, when, I, when I turned 18, actually, when I got into health and fitness, the, the initial wanting of approval actually came largely from, from within. Right? It's like I, I demanded a higher version of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that, that served me at some point until at some point along, along the way, like it didn't, right? because that wanting of approval, it comes from uh, other people, that, but it also comes from within. Along the way, I think it was uh, it was uh, last March where I really started diving deep into just uh, the inner work, if you will, right? Just understanding myself at a very fundamental level uh, in terms of how my emotions work, um, how often they 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 come up, right? It's like uh, what gets triggered by what, um, and also how do I make decisions uh, while I'm, I'm emotionally reactive, right? Hmm. Um, as I as I dove really deep into the inner work. Um, that was a huge, that was a main component that I really had to work through because I realized coming out of the other side, letting go of that wanting of approval, just letting go of what the other people think of me, um, that will actually help me make better decisions in business and otherwise, right? So it's just, uh, once you become aware of that, it just comes down to a series of decisions, right? It's like, um, will you let 
the decisions that you make based on wh- where you want to go and who you want to become um, get in the way of you, this feeling of wanting to approve from yourself and other people? Or will you just do your own thing? You know, just, um, just choose to be the best kind of person you can be uh, in honor of um, helping yourself, helping everyone around you, you know? So let's just keep playing off of that. I mean, your last words were you're being the best person that you can be. And, and, and that's what you are right now. And obviously, you're, you're, from what I can tell, you're a person that's always going to the next level and always trying to achieve something more and greater than where you are right now currently. So yeah. if you could define yourself today in this yeah. moment right now in just three to five words, what would those three to five words be? I could define myself today with three to five words. Growth oriented. Uh, I don't know if that counts as one or two. <laughs> um, yeah, compassion, focused, impactful, I think those are the four keywords. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, I can definitely see, I mean, like, as I'm asking you these questions, I mean, you're, you're, you're definitely thinking about these answers through and through. So like this next question is going to be one of those answers that, you know, it may take you a second to think about, but I think it's good for the listener to kind of understand, right? Mm-hmm. You're in a space to where there are a lot of A-type personalities, right? You have like the gym owners that used to be like the really buff gym rats that's kind of beating their chest. And then you kind of have some of the other personalities that's just all about the money, don't care about the people. So in your worst case example of a client that you've dealt with without disclosing that client's name, yeah. what was the the thing that they just didn't get? They just didn't compute. What, what made that client so bad and how did you overcome that? <sighs> mm. The experience of working with a worst client, um, I guess in, in terms of uh, experience, experienced by me and our team or, um, yeah, is, like, is that? Either one, Either, whichever, whichever, because usually when I, when, when I ask a question like that, yeah, something resonated, either either the picture of that person popped up in your head or mm-hmm. the residual of, of, of the, the less zeros on that particular account popped something, somebody had pissed you off sometime or the other. So I really <laughs> asked you about like, who the fuck pissed you off after you overcome it? Yeah, no, that's fair, man. I, I think, um, I mean, the, the person that, that bothered me the most was actually a client that we delivered a, a shit ton of results for. Um, within the first month, I think he signed up 44 people. I think he made like, I don't know, like 20 plus grand, right? It's like a month one. And he had been making that uh, every single month um, for as long as we were partnered up, right? It's like, and where it went kind of sour was, well, the, he ended up um, from from our perspective just kind of like really ditched the bill on us and just like went dark on us, right? It's like uh, even though I thought we had a really good and strong, solid standing relationship, right? Um, but long story short, what ended up happening was what what made the experience really tough was he was the kind of person that was always fearful of other people just like taking advantage of him. Right, it's like he was—he was fearful of other people getting to him, whether it was an old pattern or uh, prior uh, experiences or what it may be. Uh, working with his business partners that um, that he felt like didn't fully contribute, or his uh, his previous past, which I, I he should with me, um, that included a little bit of trouble here and there. Um, I think what came out of it was that 
his standard was was really high, which is really good, right? It's like which I really appreciated. But uh, over time, um, during any bounce, when when he wasn't able to get exactly what he wanted at the right time, like he just started raising a really big fuss about it, right? So it became a repeated pattern, um, and, and across time, uh, it got to a point where he th- there were certain times that he he like not really accused, but even like when there were like logistical errors or mishaps or miscommunication, um, he perceived that as us just trying to be out there to get him, you know, like us trying to take advantage of him, us trying to um, maybe sp- grab from his pocket or what it may be, right? It's like, um, it ultimately led to a point where he he didn't take full self responsibly in, in, in terms of uh, how his gyms were doing, right? For him personally. Yeah, one gym that was doing really well, the other gym, he blamed us for the fact that the second location was actually not doing as well because of how much we were charging. Like he raised a big fuss around uh, us charging what we're worth. Mm. And he, he said, he, he said pretty much point blank that, Hey, like the second location, um, this is the, uh, you got the, the way you guys charge is the reason why I haven't been able to jump on board with my second location. And that's why my second location has been struggling, even though his first one was doing well. Right, so, so the lack of ownership and taking self-responsibility in terms of your business and life, plus the pattern of um, this, this fear of other people taking advantage of you, plus uh, this pattern of wanting to blame other people or situations for what's going on internally, um, that makes it for a really difficult experience. Where coming out of that, it's like, I actually made multiple attempts at, of um, reaching out, but you know, what, it, what ended up being was uh, it just ended up ditching a bill on us. Um, so we helped him, and at the end, uh, um, his, his car bounced, and then he ditched like a nine hundred dollar ad spend uh, ad spent bill on us. And I'm like, cool, all right, I guess we'll eat it. Um, so yeah, got it, got it. So I mean, let's talk about like the numbers for for a minute. I mean, I think I saw a note somewhere on on one of your your sites or one of your descriptions about the potential demographic of a gym that you like to work with is a gym that has reoccurring revenue model that starts at a hundred dollars a month. Is that correct? Yeah. Minimum. I'd say like if, uh, so we mainly help like brick and mortar mom and pop shop gyms, mm-hmm. right. Versus big box gyms. Um, so if they're charging at least a uh, hundred bucks a month, we can help them. Uh, usually that means they deliver some kind of group fitness, right? Like whether it's, um, um, personal training, semi-private, uh, large group training slash boot camp. Um, those are the gyms we can help. Right. Okay. So, I mean, how, how did you come up with that? I mean, obviously, like, there, there's Planet Fitness out there that has, like, the $10 model, and they're, they're a gross amount, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, the more specialized mom and pops that you're talking about that started 100 probably go up to, like, 250 along those lines. Why are you in that spot versus more of the global that, you know, like, LA Fitness and the larger gyms? We kind of just landed there. Um, we initially just landed there just because uh, when I was first starting out, I didn't have a whole lot of experience, right? It's like, I just want to build a business um, and be able to provide enough value for me to build something that I found meaningful, right? It's like, that's, that's what I was really going for. Um, so starting off, like I didn't have a whole lot of sales experience. So, so the first thing I did was uh, I reached out to my internal network. The very first client that we had ever taken on was actually a buddy of mine who owns a personal training studio. Um, I shelled out of pocket. I was like, hey man, like I'm, I'm learning this thing. Let me pay for your ads. We can put it to test. I think it'll work. And it did. I dropped like 500 bucks of my own cash. I made him like three grand. Um, it was a personal training studio. But then the next set of clients that um, that I got was uh, from cold calling, right? Very first client uh, that was not my friend that I didn't shell out money for uh, was a CrossFit gym based in Staten Island. And we're actually still friends to this day, right? So that was four years ago. 
Um, so we kind of just like landed there because we realized there's a lot of pain uh, with those kind of gyms. But then later on, we decided to cement around that just because like that that fits in line with our values, right? It's like we have talked to big box, uh, big box gyms before, but the whole business model around a big box gym is how do we get as many people on membership and then hope not everyone shows up, right? Like, um, because if if they did, if they had like 1,500 or 2,000 or 3,000 people showing up, they wouldn't have enough space, right? So um, where the whole premise behind uh, a mom, mom and pop shop gym that provides group fitness, let's say a CrossFit box or um, a boot camp or whatever it may be, it's like it's contingent on how, how, many, how frequently can we get the members to show up, like let's say three days a week for them to stick to their healthy habits, right? Uh, for them to grow as a business, right? So that we align with more. So that's why. Very, very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, obviously, I, part of your notes was saying that, okay, there's 20,000 gyms, right? And about 80% of those gyms, they're not even breaking even. So out at 80% of those gyms, I would think that majority of them are people that you can kind of target and communicate and help to grow if they're at that $100 per month or more level. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, with that niche, I mean, obviously, you're, it's like a wide open niche, right? I mean, it's like, I don't know how many people, because I mean, I want people to really understand like like your business. I mean, there's people out there that will come in and say, hey, we could help with your gym as far as the look and feel. There's people that will come in and say, hey, we can help with, with your trainers and help train your trainers to sell or whatever else. But you have a completely different model structure to where you're actually doing like more digital marketing on the front end to then do the lead to fill in those seats. And then once they get there, you want to actually make sure you're delivering value to convert them to make sure that they stay for the long haul, which is a completely different method than most people are doing with gyms right now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say it depends on um, which kind of businesses you're looking at, right? It's like if you, because actually, believe it or not, uh, when it comes to the lead generation um, model for gyms, uh, lead generation agencies across the board for local businesses, it, it has actually skyrocketed in terms of saturation, especially over the past like six years or so, right? Um, I, I don't know if you know this guy like Ty Lopez, right? It's like he, he's like on social media. He, he I think five, six years ago, maybe, uh, he kind of just blew up this this concept of uh, SMMA, building a social media marketing agency, right? Um, and along with that, actually a lot of people pour themselves into building a SMMA, right? Including me, because it's a low barrier to entry. Anyone can watch a, a set of YouTube videos or jump on a course and after that starts pitching their service to local business owners. So um, I actually think you, you might, you'd be surprised right, at how many people that jump into the gym space and or just lead generation space in general um, when it comes to building an agency. But I think what we differ is just how we have gone about doing it, right? It's like putting our customers first um, because from day one, like we just been performance-based because like I, I remember hearing time and time again from gym owners that I was chatting with because like all I want to do is just help them because I knew they were going through a hard time and repeated encounter was just I spent thousands of dollars on marketing none of it worked and you could hear the frustration and anger in their voice right so for me I vowed I was like I'm not going to be like one of those people hmm. I'm just not you know like if if I'm taking people's money and people don't feel like they're getting value from it like I feel like it's blood money I'm not going to touch it you know, like that's just how we operated. So from day one, we were revenue share model. Like it was like, don't pay me anything. Dude, let me get your results first. Then you can pay me. That's how we got our start four years ago. And we still hold on to that value today. Hmm. I mean, it, it definitely makes sense. So let, let's talk about like like the scope of work, right? I mean, obviously you've been in this long enough to where you're a professional, you know it very well. But how long did it take you to get to where you are right now currently? 
oh, I mean, four years. Yeah, four plus years. I mean, I've invested like hundreds, like in terms of, I mean, if we were to include like amount of ad spend we poured into marketing for gym specifically to test out like hundreds of thousands of dollars by itself. But like in terms of just like um, investment in myself, right? Whether it's mentorship or courses or coaches, um, I mean, it's been like probably well over 150 to 200K um, over the course of four years after I graduated. Um, yeah, and I could, I could dive into those as well. Like if, if um, there are definitely crazy stories because I'll, I'll, along with such is um, the very first client that I had taken in Staten Island, like I actually worked out of the gym, you know, to, to get the experience because I wanted to learn more. Like I just didn't, I, I didn't want to deliver just leads because I don't, I don't care about leads. I care about like, am I helping this person or not? And in order to learn that, like I realized I need to pick up the phone and actually call people. So like I, I was actually running, I was doing cold, I was running lead gen, I was cold calling for him um, during the day and I would sell at his crossfit box like from like 4 p.m. On, until like 8 p.m. and sometimes like 9 p.m. Um, and, and I would, yeah, it's, it's a crazy commute and everything from, from New York. But yeah, a lot. Um, but it's been a wild ride. It's been fun. So I, I, I'm hearing you. I mean, obviously you dropped New York. I'm originally from, from Brooklyn. So, I mean, I, I know oh, yeah. New York really, 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 really well, right? And, and you're talking about Staten Island. So again, if you talk to any New Yorker, these are two types of New Yorkers, right? It's one New Yorker that New York is in their, their blood is in their veins. That's who they are. And that's it. They're never going to leave New York. And you got the other New Yorkers that can't wait to leave New York as fast as humanly possible, right? Those <laughs> yeah. Yorkers, right? Yeah. So you're, you're obviously on, on the spectrum to where you're, you're converting, you're making capital, you're living in the city. But let's say if you could time travel, if you can go back in time and change anything, maybe even location, when would you go back and what would you change and do differently than what you've done so far? Uh, as far as like uh, being in New York specifically or when it comes to the business or? Collectively, because I mean, all of them, they're all dominoes, right? I mean, one yeah. thing feeds into another. So if you can kind of just think, some people, they may say, okay, you know what, when I was in elementary school, some person may say, maybe I should have stayed in Japan, stayed in China. Somebody may say, well, maybe I should be in California. Somebody may say, maybe I shouldn't have done gyms. Maybe I should have went into digital marketing. So I wouldn't change a thing. I, w I wouldn't change a thing just because the way I see it is that the lessons are learned after the experiences you have had right so i think what what has made me who i am because largely who we are is um human beings we're we're very habitual we're extremely habitual right um who we are today is 99 percent similar to who we were yesterday right it's like it's um shown through the the repeated number of thoughts that we have right so if we consider ourselves to be uh largely like patterns in terms of how we engage things right so whether it's uh and, and the habits um and where those habits and patterns come from are come from two things, which is uh, nature and nurture. Mm -hmm. um, the nurture side that has shaped me um, very thoroughly to, to make me who I am. I wouldn't change anything because um, that's that's made me exactly who I am. Um, very cool. So let's just take it even further back, right? I mean, the fact that like you're you're, you're coming from multiple different countries in your upbringing, right? Were any of your parents, particularly entrepreneurs, considering that you lived in so many different regions over your, your course of your life? Uh, could you rephrase that? Were any of your parents entrepreneurs? Like, where are you getting the entrepreneurial insight from? Because, I mean, obviously now you have it, but I yeah. think that you learned or you, maybe you've seen it at an early age and then you picked it up later on. Yeah, I would say my mom was, um, my mom is entrepreneurial. Uh, so my parents actually split up at an early age, right? So um, my mom and my dad, they, 
they're both Chinese and they actually moved over to Japan um, to grab their PhDs because China was actually at the time rolling out like this um, international program where they were able to send kids off to, let's say, Japan or Germany to study from there. Um, so so my, my dad actually, um, IQ wise, was he actually tested as like one of the top people uh, in school at the time and, and China was already highly competitive as it is. So he was actually sent out to Japan. Um, so, so he, he got a PhD in physics and, um, and my mom followed with him to Japan and got a PhD in geriatrics. Um, so as far as like entrepreneurial ex- experience or endeavors, they never, they never both, they never really, uh, went through it, um, from a business standpoint earlier on, right? It's like, um, my, my dad was, because the, the culture in Japan was very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's the culture where you grab one job, you stay at a job for 30 years. If you actually leave that job, you're kind of screwed. Um, so, so that's that's the culture in Japan. Um, so my dad got into investing, uh, I think, pretty early on, which had its own uh, highs and lows. Right? But my mom, however, her entrepreneurial spirit, I think she carried that over in terms of how she raised us. It was uh, me and my two siblings. Because we have a crazy backstory in terms of how we even arrived to to the U.S. in the first place because she actually um, got over to the U.S. as a postdoctoral researcher at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she had to grab a, a very highly specialized visa that, that's um, uh, applicable for people that has a very unique skill set. Um, and her, her manager at the time in the U.S. In, in, at Harvard was able to vouch for her. So that's, that's how she landed herself in East Coast and Massachusetts. And then when we followed us through a couple, three years later, um, when we first applied for visa, we actually got denied. <laughs> uh, so all of us actually got denied. So we weren't able to come into the U.S. Um, the reason being, I think it's, and this is just uh, our interpretation of it. It's uh, it's very standard for um, maybe like a single mom to be in the U.S. But if her f- whole family applies to visit, there's a reasonably high likelihood that they could stay. Right? It's like uh, like for one reason or another. Um, so actually, the first time we applied for it, they turned us down. They, they turn all of us down. So my mom needed to figure out, all right, well, how do I get them to, to come over here? Because um, one of the reasons she decided to stay in the U.S. was to be able to bring all three of us together. It was uh, me, my sister, who's a, a year younger, and my, my brother, who's four years older. Um, because after the divorce, we were all, uh, as a family, we actually split up. My brother and I, we were with my dad's side. My, my sister was with my mom's side. So she wanted to bring all three of us together and also uh, plant us in the land of opportunity, if you will, in the U.S., right? Um, so for her, her next set of action was like, okay, well, how do we get them in? Um, and what she thought of is if, if there was on record, let's say, uh, one instance of us having visited to us and we left, right. It's like, uh, then it would probably build more trust. Right. So, um, so she actually planned a vacation for us to visit Hawaii. And at this time, instead of applying from China to the U S uh, come from Japan, uh, as, as friends, not to visit her, but planning for a vacation to Hawaii for a week and then leaving, that would work. And it did, right? So like we, we actually visited Hawaii. That was the first time we came to the US in uh, 2004, I think in June. Um, naturally we came, we left, right? So at that point, the next time we applied for a visa, uh, we got approved because they were like, oh, this person, they've already been in the US before. It's actually cool, they're, they're approving us. Um, then after that, we were able to visit my mom. And as soon as we got there, uh, she was planned accordingly to the extent that by the time we visited, uh, she would be able to start our green card process. So, so that was actually how we were able to uh, start the process for getting a permanent residency uh, in the U.S. so that we didn't have to leave after like six months. So we were able to stay for schooling. 
So like her entrepreneurial spirit in terms of how she thought outside of the box, problem solving, right? Um, overcoming obstacles, perseverance. Um, that's, I think, a good chunk of where I got it from. Um, speaking out loud is kind of cool, right? Because like, I, I, don't, I haven't thought about that in a little bit. Um, and my, my brother, Henry, uh, he I see as an older mentor for sure. Right? He's four years older. Um, and he has been uh, very entrepreneurial, actually. Um, ever since we were in, ever since we were in late high school, uh, so that's where his interest had taken place, and uh, he was a big inspiration in terms of how I even selected my major uh, at UMass Amherst of des- designing my own major. Right, so I, I built it. Right, it's like um, for those that haven't heard of what that means, it's uh, it was an interesting curriculum offered by our school, UMass Amherst Public School, um, where you're able to just piece together what is it that you're looking to study. So um, it's called individual concentration, right? So um, for me at the time, I was like really into fitness, <laughs> but then what, <laughs> right? So, so I started taking uh, exercise science, nutrition, um, kinesiology, right? It's like exercise science, um, communication, uh, psychology. And then I also started digging into like business, like marketing management, because I was curious. So I just started digging into all these courses. Um, I got to say most of it wasn't that helpful. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I, uh, earlier on I, I drew my um, entrepreneurial inspiration, if you will, and then that kind of formalized into something that's practical at, in college, um, bit by bit. So l- let me let me unpack and repack that. I mean, pretty much what you just told us is that you're a byproduct of two scientists, right? First of all, <laughs> right? you're a byproduct of two scientists, and it makes perfect sense because I think like. I, I was looking at that one of your favorite books was like maybe two, three years ago was The Alchemist. I was like, why is The Alchemist <laughs> on the top of his shelf? And then he tells me his dad has a PhD in physics. There's the damn answer right there. <laughs> so it all came like that, 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 that entire you talking out of the box was kind of like, okay, now it all came to full. I was going to ask you about The Alchemist, but I don't have to ask you no more. You just pretty much told me where that came from. So, I mean, let's, since we're on the topic of book, let's just talk more about like the education of books. Cause I mean, obviously you're well, you're, you're well-spoken, you're well-versed in, in books. And I mean, that's just one of the books. I think another book that you were talking about at the time was um, Mamba Mentality, mm. which is, is, is the um, Kobe Ryan book. Kobe Bryant, I, want you to, yeah. I want you to talk about like, like the past 10 years, what book do you recommend to an entrepreneur that has the gusto, but just needs a little bit more information to make the next step? Oh, I like that. I think for well, any entrepreneurs that have already started off or someone who's looking to dive into entrepreneurship? Both. Just, just do two books then. But both. Okay. Um, anyone that hasn't started off yet uh, but wants to, wants to explore the idea of it because I never considered myself to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know what that meant. Mm-hmm. I was like, I even took a class in college. It's like, uh, entrepreneurship. Right? It's like, it, uh, it sounds very daunting. You know, it's like, what, what the hell does that mean? You know? Um, but for me, like what, what really piqued my interest was uh, early on, I read a book called uh, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Right? So that's a staple for a lot of entrepreneurs, I believe. Um, what it offers is not, it's not necessarily a solution to a four hour work week, although it could, right? But what it offers is, I think, a set of, um, it, it breaks your beliefs, right? So a, a set of experiences after you dive into the book in, in which it'll challenge your beliefs in terms of what's possible, in terms of maybe how you have been living and or what you're looking forward to in life, right? And just challenge you to ask deeper questions and design your life in a way that's ideal for you, in a way that's most meaningful to you, right? Because I think too often we just go through life and then we don't question why, where we're at, why we're doing certain things, what we're doing and where, where we're on the path towards, right? I think the, the book for our work week, it, it just 
it created the sense of possibility of, um, of like, wow, like I see what Tim is saying, but can that be real? And I've, I've, I've actually like, I've lived through not all of what Tim has lived through naturally. It, it would be weird. Um, I'm not trying to model it or anything like that, but like I've lived through a fair share of experiences that I never thought w- would have been possible like four years ago. But it's like, I spent like, like just last year, like I, I spent three months in, in Playa de Carmen, just like um, living in, in the coast of Mexico, building an online business that was growing very rapidly, right? It's like with um, a couple of my best friends that I, I love spending time with, right? It's like we hit the beach Monday, Wednesday, Friday at like 7.30 a.m., just walking onto the, um, the, the, the beach of Mexico with like feet in white sand and beautiful blue water. So like January of like 2021, right? It's like, like where it should be winter, right? So experiences like that, it's, it's shared also in the four-hour work week and I've, I've lived it. Um, so, so for any person that's looking to dive into entrepreneurship uh, or has this faint curiosity of what that could be, what it really means is uh, how do you design a life that you, you care about? How do you design a life that's meaningful to you, right? So uh, I would start there, the four-hour work week. That's the first book. For anyone that has um, taken, jumping, that has jumped into entrepreneurship, then at that point, it becomes a little bit different, right? So because to me that you have jumped into entrepreneurship means you have jumped into a vehicle, yeah. um, a vehicle that's ideally taking you to where you want to go. And you want to make sure that that's, that's a vehicle that's a good fit for you, right? Um, now that vehicle could be only a brick and mortar gym. That, can, that vehicle could be uh, a digital marketing agency. That vehicle could be building out online courses. That vehicle could be affiliate marketing. That vehicle could be um, maybe learning high ticket sales or whatever it may be, right? So whatever vehicle uh, that you're jumping into on this path of entrepreneurship, I think um, there are two books that are off the top of my head that, that's, a, in my opinion, a must read um, for any kind of business owners that operate any kind of businesses. Um, the first one, uh, it's by Russell Brunson. It's called Dotcom Secrets. Right, so what it, what it does is actually builds a foundation and the blueprint in terms of what a business actually is. Um, because uh, I, I think it's, without diving into the world of business, you understand that business is just it's components of um, these sub-units, if you will, right? Um, so, so one of the things the books actually walks through is, uh, for example, in order to build a business, you just need to ask yourself pretty much four questions. That's, the, that's one of the main fundamental things I've gathered. Who is it that you want to serve? Who do you want to help? What is the result you're looking to provide them with? You answer those two questions. Who do you want to help? What kind of result do you want to deliver to them? Right? So what is, what is the experience? And when you search for those, uh, the answer to those questions long enough, you'll find a product or service. We get really clear on those two things. right? And then naturally, you can dive deeper into like, okay, well, uh, how uh, am I the... Pr- person that's able to do this, uh, so on and so forth. How do I go about doing that? So on and so forth. And you figure it out, right? But you come out the other end of those two questions after your search, like you have a product or service. Then the next two questions is, um, where do I find the people I want to serve? And how, how do I hook them in? Hmm. You find you find the answer to those two questions. You crack marketing and sales, right? So you identify where you people are, are living, whether it's digitally, like let's say like in a blog or in a Facebook group or um, maybe on Instagram um, where you can find them through a specific hashtag or what it may be. Um, and then how do you hook them in? How do you start a conversation? How, how do you actually get them to want to do business with you? Um, you, come the, you come through to the end of the, um, those two questions. You have marketing sales, right? Um, so that's a must read in my eyes, right? So dotcom secrets, it's Russell's brilliant what he does. It's incredible. And then the next piece to 
then once you have built the fundamentals, the next piece that's strategic, that's high level that you can put into action um, is $100 million offer by Alex Ramosi. It's, um, I think it's been the number one best-selling book uh, when it comes to marketing advertising for the past, like, I don't know, a year since he's rolled it out. And uh, it's for a reason, it's like 99 cents. Uh, that man is what I would say, like a genius when it comes to business. He, he, he really is, right? It's like, and I've um, really respected and admired also from afar, I've learned a shit tons from him, right? It's like, we actually have a very similar business model. Um, it was like a month and a half of me jump, jumping into my own vehicle, into my own business that I learned of him because he was uh, the biggest player in the space at the moment. Um, but just learning from afar, $100 million offer, the way he, the way he breaks down very complex um, topics, such as like, how do you define value right into such simple equations or uh, infographics? It's, I mean, the man's world class. Um, so if you are uh, on the path of entrepreneurship, you have a, a vehicle that you want to learn how to build a better foundation for my business. How do I want, want to build a very deep foundation so I can build? Hey guys, let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsor. If you're a business owner or someone looking to break into the audio media space, user-friendly audio creation and editing software can provide a distinct advantage. Boss Uncaged Podcast has reviewed for you Rumble Studios audio content creation software, which allows you to generate asynchronous interviews with one or multiple guests, recommending it for podcasters seeking to release more episodes with less effort and companies looking to optimize their marketing initiatives. With the software, you can create an interview landing page to ask questions and collect unlimited audio responses in multiple formats without any coding experience. There's gold in podcasts. Forbes recently predicted that advertising revenues through podcasting alone will reach $2.7 billion by the end of 2025. That's an appealing forecast for creators. And businesses know it's a market that provides returns on advertising investments. Act fast. The deal won't last forever. Visit bossuncaged.com slash spoken. Now unlock the power of your voice with spoken. Back to the show. Something that is meaningful to me. Um, those two books are, uh, in my opinion, a must read. Hmm. So I'm hearing these puzzle pieces, right? And obviously you've named three separate books and all three books are great books. And if you have that opportunity to, to read any of these books, definitely take up, you know, Greg on this offer and read these books. Right. So George, um, Look at it from this standpoint, right? If you had an opportunity to write write a book, right? Because I don't think you have published a book as of yet. Do you see yourself kind of combining these three different books and putting a gym twist on it? And if you if you haven't thought about it, then why? What the hell are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that that the thought. Um, I have thought about writing a book uh, at some point. I'm sure I will. However, for me, the the way I see it is that. I think in life, and this is um, taking, a, taking a page out of uh, Naval Ravikant, right? Who's someone who also I, I, I studied um, from. Um, he's the founder of AngelList, brilliant mind, one of the smartest people I have ever learned from. Just like I've never had the fortune of meeting him yet. Um, but one of the things he talks about is like, keep iterating and keep, keep changing yourself until you're a category of just you. It's like essentially we keep iterating until we are just uniquely ourselves. And then at that point, it's like there's no competition because there's no, there's no you, there's no other you, you know? Um, so for me, that's how I see it, right? It's like when it comes to writing a book, like I would want whatever my message that I would want to spread in honor of me believing that it will provide as much value to other people as possible. Um, 
I, I just want to find what what that thing is for me first, right? So so I wouldn't want to take a blend of everyone that I've learned from because I, I feel so um, it just wouldn't ring as true to who I am. I'd rather just like uh, if someone wants to learn how to create the best offers, like go read this book, right? So if someone wants to learn the fundamentals of business for someone who's done it, uh, bootstrapped companies from the ground up. Like here's here's that, right? Um, and as far as like the gym space. Um, writing a book for it, Alex actually wrote a book for for the gym space as well. Right, it's, it's really good. Um, I have thought about doing that, but but for me, at the same time, it just comes down to like, I'm not trying to like mimic him, or I'm not trying to um, write an, another book that uh, just for marketing purposes. Uh, for me, I would want to write a book that has messages that I want to share. Right, so for me, like what I would be actually uh, leaning towards would be. I think the unique experience I've had the past couple of years of diving really deep into um, my emotions and how emotions play such a huge role when it comes to decision-making in entrepreneurship, I think that's underspoken about, right? So because I think oftentimes, like we, well, especially men who dive into entrepreneurship, um, we're taught at an early age, like, screw your emotions. Hmm. Don't worry about it. You know, like, be logical, make data-driven decisions, right? But But in reality, what I have found is that, like, whether we like it or not emotions are part of what we have right it's like it's what it means to be human being right so um i think the answer is less so like actually repressing it and um and really sweeping it under the rug or not dealing with our emotions versus actually learning more about it and coming in tune with it uh for us to be able to leverage to our advantage and or make peace with our emotions um i think that's a topic that i actually feel even more pulled towards um outside of helping gyms right um, and that's the topic I actually chat about often with, within my circles and within um, like agency coaches, uh, agencies that I coach, right? Um, but yeah, to, to answer your question, like I, I think as far as book writing, I, th- I think until I get to a point when I'm like, ah, man, like I need to get this message off my chest, just bring it to the world. Uh, I don't want to do it. Hmm. Because I think when, when, we, when we're able to show up from that place, that's when we we have something that's truly uh, genuine and authentic that we want to share, right? Um, so let me, let me let me play devil's advocate with that, right? Right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hear where you're coming from, but look at it from from the standpoint of what your business does, right? I mean, earlier yeah. on, we talked about having 20,000 gyms. Out of those 20,000 gyms, 80,000 of them are struggling. Out of that 80, out of, well, out of that 80%, let's say maybe you're converting 1% to 2% nationally on that. Mm-hmm. Out of that 1% to 2%, you know, you're you're pretty much raising a hundred thousand dollars plus per month, right? So that 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 puts you at, at a rough valuation per year at one point two million dollars. So I mean, think about it. that's a small percentage of the bigger twenty thousand people, but though there's people out there that need your message. So mm-hmm. don't you think that you're not helping them by not delivering that book to them? Because again, you're not trying to deliver it to everyone. You're not trying to get to all twenty thousand. You're trying to talk to your one percent of that eighty percent that's raising their hands and listening to you that needs more of you. It is not just a marketing tool, but it's you delivering that message to them now. No, it's true. That's a great point. Yeah. I, I think what we're diving deeper into is um, just a uh, book being leveraged as a tool for indoctrination, right? So as spreading of a message uh, of a belief. I think that's helpful for sure. I've, I've definitely thought about that. Um, I, and I agree. I think um, one of the reasons why I think we as a company also decided it's like it'll be cool for us to sh- jump on the podcast, you know, just to share like what we're doing because I think what we're doing is really cool. Um, that's a start, right? Because we've been so head down just building our own thing, right? Yeah. 
Um, then the next set of questions it just comes down to okay, well, what is the what is the most effective way to uh, indoctrinate our audience or just like help them get to know us better and also help them get to know maybe their business better and how they can build their own business, right? It's like um, when it comes to their gym. Um, could that be a book? Possibly. Could that be, um, let's say like a Facebook group? Possibly. Could that be, um, and let's say like an email sequence of people that we're already reaching out to directly? Possibly, right? So it just comes down to how that takes place. Because when, when you think about it, like a book, um, how I think of it is uh, a buddy of mine actually taught me this framework. It's called the ICE framework, right? I-C-E. Uh, impact, cost, and ease. Um, so something like a book, let's say if it was accomplished, um, perfectly executed, what is the impact I would have on a business? The things like, I, I don't know, right? Because most people don't like to read. <laughs> and also most people don't have the time to jump into a, a book and just read through the whole thing. It's like um, very few people do. However, the people that do will probably be the people that will want to buy, right? Um, but I'd I probably give the impact maybe on the lower side um, because of that, right? Just because of uh, people's shorter attention span and also how, like what it would take to get a book in people's hands. Then when it comes to the cost, like how much of a cost would that be? Like in terms of the time and money, right? It's like time slash attention and money. It's like, it would be a pretty big cost, right? It's like, because if I were to ever push out anything, especially in the format of a book, I would want to make sure it's very well done. Um, so it would take probably immense amount of attention for me just to make sure that it's like, it's, uh, it's well put together, that there's a lot of revisions going on, that um, the message is intact and that the audience is derived the most amount of value from it. So the cost would be like really high. So, so thereby like the rating of it would be low, right? So, uh, and then the ease, like, I've never written a book before, you know, so um, we could probably self-publish it or we could just uh, maybe find someone to help us out with that. But it's like just the whole process of going around doing that and also sitting down writing a book, especially if I'm not pulled towards it, mm. um, doesn't sound like very easy to, to execute on, right? So, so that makes, in my mind, um, it has a low impact, very low cost because it would be extremely cost intensive. And then um, not necessarily the easiest to pull off. So, so in my in my mind, my gut check is like, cool. It's not it's not a project that's worth taking on at the moment, right? Gotcha. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, if we were to take a step back, look at the business as a whole. What is our bottleneck? What's uh, what's really holding us back from getting us to where we want to go? Uh, and then, what is a product, if any, uh, that would rank really high on impact, very low cost, very easy to set up? Um, that's essentially what my job is as a CEO, just to identify, identify, and execute on, right? Yeah, I think you you well define like, the problems and the solutions and and why that that's not where you are right now. So then that kind of leads me down to the next road. And again, you're a young guy. Your business is to say roughly four years old. Where do you see what you're doing twenty years from now? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, man, twenty years from now, it's um, I'd be lying to say like I can I can even see that far or think that far. Let alone like ten. Like I, I can't even see like. 10 years or even um, five years, maybe, maybe. Um, but 20 years is it's, uh, really far out, right? Um, well, look at and, it from the standpoint of, uh, you know, are you thinking about potentially selling the company down the road or are you potentially taking what you've learned from the, the media marketing side and expanding it into other audiences? Like what general visions do you have for the business down the road? I like that. Um, because for me, health and fitness, health and wellness is, is such a centerpiece in my life. It, it always has been ever since my life, when I did my life to started, like when it started like at the age of 18. Um, so I think health and fitness will always be a huge piece of my life. Um, it's just in what form is that taking place? 
So, so that being said, um, taking a step back, I would want to build gym pillars in a way where it's built to be able to sell, right? It's like that's that's a standard practice that's um, highly effective. Just uh, because if you're able to build a business that is sellable, um, it needs to be it needs to be operating a certain way, right? So you need to be extremely efficient. Uh, you have to know your numbers very clearly. Uh, things have to be able to run without you, without the owner and operator involved. Um, I want to be, able to be able to build something that lasts. For me, that's what matters. Do I want to sell it? No, I really don't. I want to build something that lasts uh, 10 years from now. It'll still stay standing uh, without me operating it and uh, people in it that's really grown this uh, to, to see its potential through, right? It's like for me, when it comes to gym pillars specifically, it's just a matter of a question of... Um, what could this be, hmm. right? It's like just um, just following the breadcrumbs. Like, what could this be? You know, like just seeing the potential through. Um, because where we come from, it's like I, I'm as a person. Like I'm not. I'm really not money motivated. I, um, in fact, I think it, it has hurt the business to a certain extent. Whereas I'm more so people centered. Um, so for me, it's like how big can we get this to be, and how many people, how many people's lives can we touch, and how much better can we get, right? Hmm. Um, so that's my main focus. Um, I'd say, I mean, our company is still so young, right? Like, even though I got started four years ago, it wasn't until two years ago where I quit my full-time job at LinkedIn where I went full bore on this. I just full-time, you know? Um, and we have grown really fast since uh, after surviving 2020, right? When COVID hit, and it was, uh, it was tough. Uh, 2021, we grew from a team of two to a team of 11. Um, and this year, we have grown. Um, I mean, we're, we've doubled last year. Um, and I want to see where we can finish off, right? It's like... Um, but long story short, within the next five years, I don't know. Like, um, I wouldn't be shocked if we were just like double, 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 double. Um, but who knows? Um, huh. Yeah, I think this this is uh, this is what I'm pouring all my being into currently because I have identified this being the most meaningful thing currently. So, so what what, what I've heard, I mean, obviously we've been talking, you know, for a while right now, and, and I'm really good at like listening to like the little details. Earlier on, you talked about a relative being on worked for Facebook, and then you just alluded to you working for LinkedIn. Now, for the, the listener, these are two major social media platforms that have like ads all day, all night. Like, I mean, they're they're potentially raising money on their ads. So, do you think having access to those two in your back pocket kind of helped you to understand the platforms a little bit more than the average Joe? More than the average Joe, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely more than the average Joe. Um, I think Hen well, my, my brother Henry, when he worked at Facebook, um, I mean, I think he was able to see again a much deeper understanding in terms of how advertising works in a modern age, right? Whereas, like, oftentimes what is talked about like in college is it's still like very outdated methods of like direct mail and so on and so forth, or like coupons, right? It's like, it's like people's attention span are much shorter than that. They don't care about that uh, anymore as much, nearly as much. Um, so in terms of understanding um, more of digital marketing, yeah, I would say so. When it comes to work, my experience working at LinkedIn, I was in a sales role. If anything, the biggest thing that I gleaned from just working at like a multi-billion dollar company um, was how it was run, right? Again, and what a business at that size, like what that does, what that looks like, even though obviously you only see like a tip of iceberg, right? As, a, as an entry-level sales rep. Um, but there were a lot of things I really liked about the company culture in terms of how they were running things, uh, the positive experiences, um, how sales teams were run, um, how one-on-ones are had, uh, different values that they, they were able to have and instill in their team members, um, the way they ran the business, right? It's like in the business model itself. Um, I think there are a lot of, a lot of value that I was able to derive from my experience working, uh, working on LinkedIn. 
um, yeah, compared to the average Joe, one hundred percent. Nice, nice. So let's just talk about like like tools that you use on a day to day basis. I mean, obviously you're talking about you know meta business portal. You're talking about the audience insight tool. But I mean, on a real day to day basis, is there any particular software that you think that you would not be able to do what you're doing without having access to? Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, as far as tools, like the first main thing is um, Slack. Mm. That's uh, so that's that's how our entire team communicates. Right, it's like before Slack, I don't know what people did right it's like I, I can't it's it's kind of like um it's kind of like i can't imagine like what what people's work looked like with pre-computers or pre like uh, you know like anything like that um slack is the number one tool that, that we check every single day we communicate every single day just like pretty, pretty much direct messages break the form different channels right um gmails uh we use a tool called go high level so that's a software it's a uh, fascinating. It's it's really really well built. Um, I think it, it was started probably six seven years ago um, for agency owners that anyone that offers uh, paid paid media as a service, right? So Facebook, Instagram ads. It's a uh, I would say it's a must. It's a it's uh, especially for uh, well especially for lead generation, right? Um, but yeah, that that tool allows you to uh, two way text leads that come in, two way call, two way email. Uh, track your pipeline opportunities, all of it. We use a CRM. We use it for our clients. Um, all of our clients get built one. Um, yeah, a lot of softwares, a lot of tools. Nice, nice. So just to talk about, about your clients for a minute. So let, let's say you have a new gym owner, right? Let's say he has two to three locations or she has two to three locations. And obviously, they're, let's say they're charging $150 a month, but they, they, they hit that crux. And they, they've been at that crux for like six to nine months and they've been rattling their brains and they mm -hmm. come to you. What words of wisdom would you deliver to them to help them to realize that they can move on to the next level? Um, good question. I think most of it is going to be context dependent, but given the context you offered me, if they charge 150 bucks a month, they've been stuck at six to nine months. They open up two to three locations. Chances are, my best guess is uh, one of the locations probably doing well. Two other ones probably not doing as well. That's usually how it goes, right? It's like uh, one of the biggest mistakes we have seen is uh, gym owners opening up a second location faster uh, than than they sh should, um, because what it does is splits bandwidth, it splits your attention, splits your um, because the hardest thing is finding the right people, right? So it splits your manpower as well. So it becomes extremely hard. If, if a gym has been stuck from six to nine months, I mean, what that tells me is like, I don't know how many people you guys are bringing in um, and or if you're tracking how many people you're losing, which is churn, right? Mm -hmm. The industry average for churn is about 10%. Um, so if you're bringing in, let's say like consistently, um, let's say you have 100 people, 100 members, um, and you're, you have a churn of 10 and you're only gaining 10, Right, so so that's why you're stuck at six to nine months because your churn has caught up to how many people uh, you bring in. This is called uh, inflow without making complexity. Just how many people do you have coming in? Um, if a gym is ever stuck for whatever reason, it's because the number of people that are leaving it's directly matching up to the number of people that are coming in. So first, you have to be able to identify. Okay, well, what what issues do I have? Right, it's like is this a churn issue? Do I am I losing too many people? Because if, if out of hundred people you're losing twenty people. There's something about uh, maybe your staff or your your product or your experience or process uh, that's getting people to fall into the cracks and not stick around for a long time. Because 20 people out of 100 people on average is really high. It's really high. So you got to plug that hole first. Don't even worry about marketing or anything like that. Just like really like for real, like take an audit and enter your business. Be one of your customers or like, like secret shop your own business. Check out the experience, right? 
However, for most gyms, because they care about their people, if, um, usually most gym, gym owners come from a really good place, right? Um, chances are your bottleneck's probably inflow. Like you're probably losing like five or six people and then you're stuck because you're only gaining five or six people. Mm-hmm. And you gain five or six people because um, you've just been relying on like word of mouth. You've been relying on people that are just like, your members talking to other people, but that's out of your control. You don't get to control like what people, what, how often people talk about you, how, how good of a review they give, right? It's like, um, so you need something that's consistent, that's predictable to get people in the door, right? It's like, and chances are they've, they've used a bunch of things like uh, social media, like organic postings, right? It's like, or Facebook boost or coupons or flyers or um, hitting, like maybe hitting the ground just like handing out flyers, right? It's like, you just need something that works. Right. It's again, uh, based on my experience, I've still seen Facebook and Instagram as a platform to be the single hand best thing that's able to offer consistency, predictability, um, and more so like stability to a business, right? Because then at that point you have leads. You just need people to raise their hands, right? Because if you have a, if you have a gym, people don't know about you, how are they going to walk into the door? Mm-hmm. They won't. So how do you get in front of them? Well, this thing that people spend all their time on, hmm. you know? So. I mean, listening to you, I mean, obviously your methodology is, is not just for gyms. I mean, obviously, like the base level of what you're talking about is designed and created for memberships. And I'm talking about general memberships. So, I mean, obviously you're talking about the, the, the churn and anyone that has memberships. I mean, what he just stated is 100% fact. And, and it, again, I would look at you more as like a, a membership coach than just you specialize in gyms, but your real core of development is essentially memberships and how to, to retain and grow and scale memberships. Yeah. And beyond just membership, I mean, what it comes down to is like, uh, for me, the past four years, I've just really took a really deep dig into how to build a service-based business, hmm. you know, because like for me to be the kind of person that, that has built out the team that we have, that has grown the pace that we have, it's like, I needed to be the kind of person that really understood a service-based business and how to run one at a very, at a much deep, much deeper level, right? It's like, which I'm sure I'll, I'll learn even more across time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Churn something that every single service-based business deals with. And just a matter of, do you know those numbers? Do you not? Do you track those? Do you not? Um, yeah. So let, let, let's say, right, that person is listening right now. How do they get in contact with you? Where do you want them to reach out to you? What platform? Um, I would say for for ease, just DM me on Instagram. Um, and the, the podcast um, in which you're, you're gleaning this from, right? It's like um, George L1022. We're... Um, we're actually opening up a wait list currently. Or, yeah, no, I'll share it. Um, we're, we're building out uh, a crazy offer coming up uh, on December 1st, right? It's like still going through preliminary testing and everything like that. But um, we've recently started testing out like a brand new product and, and where we handle all of the, what we call lead nurturing for our prospects, right? Uh, to get people in the door, we're seeing like a crazy high show rate. Like 90% of the people that we're, we're booking for appointments and we're getting them to stay on showing up which is unheard of in the fitness industry and we're putting together um what we're going to be calling like a free 14-day challenge where a person pays us not a penny they just cover the ad spend they don't pay us a single cent and over 14 days we aspire to help a gym make anywhere between seven to probably 12 grand in cash um before we we ask to partner up with them for long term if it's the best thing for the business right so um 
I'm just listening to you. I mean, you just brought up something about ad spend. So not, not to not to interrupt you, but I just want like the listener to really understand so that they can kind of raise their hands and be the right person for you. Mm-hmm. Ideally, how much ad spend are we talking about per month to kind of get them in the door? Good question. Um, so so this is something that will probably shock a lot of gym owners. Um, but this is also something that I think that's important for them to know right? when it comes to the economics of their business. With what we have seen, whether it's gym or not, it usually costs anywhere between 50 bucks to $150 to just get a person in the door and sign up, right? So, so that's just sheerly off of ads and well, right? Mm-hmm. So then the next question is, um, all right, well, how many people do I want signed up? All right, so, so, so here's where the economics of it, um, it gets really hard. And these are things that I'd imagine uh, if a gym owner or anyone else that started like a local brick and mortar business when they first started a business, they haven't thought about, right? It's like, how do I acquire customers? How do I pay for a person to walk into the door and get them signed up? Right? Um, because how it works is, let's say, like if you're spending money on on Facebook and Instagram as a platform, if you know what you're doing, let's say uh, ten to fifteen dollars that you spend, you'll probably get in front of a thousand people, a thousand eyeballs in your community, real human beings, right? Um, then the next piece, if you know what you're doing and you're good at hooking people and getting them to stop reading, read the message, um, and then take action. You will usually have out of a thousand eyeballs, a thousand people, you'll have about, let's say, 10 people click on it. Out of those 10 people click on it, if you know what you're doing, you'll have one out of those 10 people opt in. So, so name, email, phone number, and that's what we call a lead, right? Um, so this is where paid traffic and, and having consistency and predictability is so different from word of mouth, right? Because like word of mouth, it also happens. You just don't see it. There are people talking about you every single day. You just don't see the people that haven't reached out to you yet, right? Um, but for Facebook, so let's say you spend ten dollars, you get in front of a thousand eyeballs, ten people click on it, one person become a lead. Then, um, if you really know what you're doing, you can convert one out of ten leads into a customer. Hmm. So, so hence you spend a hundred dollars on ads, you get one person to sign up. And here's where the math becomes difficult, and this is why most marketing for gyms don't work. Most gyms are charging too low. Most gyms are charging just way too low. Right? It's like they're already struggling, let alone being able to afford advertising, right? But they're in the chicken or the egg issue where it's most gym owners that we talk to are like, I can't afford advertising or marketing. It's like you can't afford not to market because how will things change if you don't change something about the way you operate your business? Right? Because if you're stuck in the day-to-day, you've just been stuck and you work at 70 hour work weeks, something has to give, right? Um so at that point, it's like if you're if you t- if it costs you a hundred dollars to get someone in the door and sign up, and you're charging a hundred bucks, do you make money? No, you break even. If you charge, let's say six hundred to a grand, somehow, some way, in which we know how, um, then you're playing with house money. Gotcha. The math makes sense. Yeah. You know? So essentially, if we would reverse engineer that, you're talking about essentially rolling in into the marketing cost per individual sign up into the actual monthly subscription. Yeah, yeah, because it just comes down to as a business owner, like for, for us, how we acquire gym owners as partners, same thing. We do the same thing. We practice what we preach, right? When we run ads, um, it costs a certain amount for us to get people like on calls with us for us to sign, for us to sign someone up. Um, and how much we charge has to be above that for us to break even on the front end, right? Even after I pay our sales team out, right? Um, yeah, it's just the economics that uh, any gym owner and or just any service providers need to be able to think about. Right? It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. the numbers don't lie for sure. So 
going into um, a quick bonus question. Um, I like to ask this question because, again, I, I think for you, there's no telling that you may talk about some physics person or you may talk about Tony Robbins. There's no telling, right? So if you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Huh. Interesting. This is when I'll play the Jeopardy music in the background. <laughs> um, this might be a curveball, but I don't. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Um, myself at a very old age. Hmm. I'll be curious. Hmm. I've heard. I've heard the latter. I heard myself at a younger age, but you're saying yourself at an older age. Yeah, just to see how how I've grown, um, what I've gone through, my experiences, right? Just any words of wisdom, right? It's like, um, you know, who I've become. Yeah. I think that's always very important for me. Yeah, well, it goes back to the question I asked you earlier about, about you know, being able to time travel back. You know, would your older self time travel back to where you are right now? And then you had that 24-hour conversation and change the results possibly down the road. So it's definitely, it's that whole paradox yeah, uh, like you said the chicken before the egg right or the egg before the chicken so uh, definitely interesting so going into closing man i i know you've been on on a few different podcasts you understand the way podcasts work so i like to give whoever i'm interviewing an opportunity to become the host of the boss cage podcast and actually ask me a couple questions so the boss cage podcast is now your show i'm your guest do you have any questions for me why'd you start this wow um I've gotten that question asked in different ways, but the, the reality of me, it really boils down to having an outlet for a legacy. And what that really means for me is not only for like my kids, but for other entrepreneurs that are coming after me or coming after my grandkids. And the only way I think about leaving behind information is documenting, you know, put, making documents of it. And I think the best way to document is to record video and record audio. So by having this content and interviewing as many people of, uh, that I'm interviewing and keep scaling and keep growing, you know, potentially 10 years, 20, 30 years down the road, it'll be this abundance of content that will become my legacy that would also help other people in the future. Hell yeah, man. Um, 10 years from now, what would you wish for your life? Like in terms of what it looks like, where you are, who you are, what you're doing. I think I'm, I'm a, I'm a big out the box thinker. So, I mean, 10 years from now, I'm not trying to be on the level to where I'm competing, but like, you know, Jeff Bezos or, you know, with them. But I, I think what I'm building and developing right now has so many legs and so many facets to it, to where it's, you know, it's becoming an international brand now, but I want it to be more like a household international brand, something that people, you know, 30, 40 years down the road have been like, yeah, yeah, just look it up on Boston Cage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boston Cage interviewed that guy back in 2025, and it's kind of like an archive or a database of, of business information, much mm -hmm. like Forbes or Wikipedia. That's badass. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. What is the single thing that you wish your listeners could take away from uh, after every episode? Well, one thing I want every listener to do is like all my episodes are, are uniquely different because I'm interviewing individual people on different journeys. And if there's someone out there that communicates that what your message is talking to them 
and 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 take action on it. Like just don't listen to it and shake your head and get all excited and be like, that was a great episode, high five essay. And then you go back to the mundane, same old bullshit that you've been doing. Like take the steps, listen to what he's delivering, reach out to him, communicate with him, like figure out how do you get to the next level? Like, like you were saying earlier, a lot of times people were saying that, well, they don't have money for the ad spend, but they know they need the ad spend. Why the fuck are you keep doing the seesaw? Like figure it out, <laughs> jump forward. So that's the first thing. In addition to that is like, if that's not you, if you're, if you're like, oh, this is interesting, but you don't, you don't resonate with this message, but you may have somebody in your circle. This is where the six degrees of separation comes in. You may have someone that's in the gym in your circle. You may know the gym owner of your gym and they may be at a level to where you're seeing the same exact people coming in the gym every single damn day. And, you know, they may be complaining about stuff or cutting corners and the quality of the gym is, is dropping down because they don't have the funds. Well, this will be an episode for them to listen to to figure out how to get more people in the doors to get more funds. And it may not be for you, but it'll be for that person that's part of your life. True. Yeah. Well spoken. I think what, what I'm hearing is the biggest thing is just like take action with information, right? Like I think yeah. um, the biggest thing that I have learned, especially in the past four years is because I've been in a bunch of, uh, I guess, like most of private circles down in terms of uh, different masterminds I have invested into and coaching programs. It's, um, but one thing always holds true is that information without implementation is useless. Right? It's like information is not really power. It's um, without implementation, it means nothing. Trying to think. Um, he's turning, people. He's turning. He's proud. <laughs> see the two scientists' brains coming together right now. <laughs> um, well, actually, on that note, it's like, what, what's your favorite book? I'm, I'm curious because I, I know you asked that to me. Man, I mean, some of the books that you named, obviously, books that, that I read. I have a book club, so it's kind yeah. of like, like, I, I, it's so many different books, right? I mean, I think all three of Bronson's books, right? I mean, yes. obviously, Dot Secrets is great, but Traffic Secrets is the real meat and potatoes of how to even get that business to grow and scale. Mm. Um, you know, Tony Robbins is, 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 is early books are definitely great. Um, Mel Robbins, the five second rule, five second rule that yeah. I always bring up. Cause I mean, it's kind of like, kind of goes back to what we're talking about. Like, what is the hesitation about? It's either yes or no. And if it's yes or no, and if it is yes, why the hell are you going to wait longer than five seconds to execute? hundred yeah. percent. No, I'm all for it. Yeah. For me, I, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan as well. I think, I mean, I think he's played probably an instrument, more of an instrumental role than almost anyone in the entrepreneurial space. Because I think uh, like even, um, for example, Tim Ferriss, when he read the 4-Hour Workweek, uh, when he wrote the 4-Hour Workweek, how he started his journey was like he actually consumed um, personal power by Tony Robbins, right? It's like, um, that's another added one for any listeners. Um, if you ever want to um, jump into like, let's say like a 30-day program, it's like personal power, that audio tape from Tony Robbins changed my life through and through as well. So. Um, I think what it comes down to often is just a one degree shifts, right? Yeah. Um, where a, a single, if you, if a decision is made on day one, you might not be able to see a big difference from there. But uh, if you travel across time, let's say a month, a year, let's say five years from now on, uh, it makes a world of difference. Right? Mm -hmm. So you end up in a completely different position. So take action on those, uh, implement those for anyone that's listening. Uh, yeah. Great books. Yeah. I mean, I think you're a living example of it. I mean, imagine... I mean, earlier on, I think, and I don't even think you brought it up, but I mean, as far as like the way you were in middle school, and I think I read about it, you were saying something about like kids were just mean. So what yeah. if you didn't take the initiative to start working out and bulking up and building your self-confidence? If you didn't take that initiative, would we be sitting down now having this conversation today? No Hell shot. no. No shot. 
Yeah. This is it, but you're a byproduct of taking action at every single step of the opportunity when it knocks. You didn't sit there and be like, I'll get to the door later. You turned off the video game, turned off the fuck ass TV, got up and went out the damn door and executed. And that's all I'm saying that if people do more of that, I think the world will be a completely different place. But we have to understand the rule of numbers means that 99% of the people won't do it. Yes, I agree 100%. And, and I also, I think this is, um, I think why, why, when this really sank in for me is uh, this was when I was working on LinkedIn. Like it really hit me. Uh, I was like a gut punch. Mm. It was with this understanding that a person's life, your life, anyone who's listening to this life, my life, your life, it's um, where, where it is right now, who you are being currently, what you're doing and what you have. It's all byproduct of all the cumulative decisions you have made up until this point. Like it's just all the cumulative decisions you have made up until this point that has created your reality as it stands. So we all get to create our own reality from tomorrow onwards and from this moment onwards, actually. Um, and it begins with a decision, right? So I think oftentimes we'll get in our own heads about, um, man, well, I'll wait until tomorrow. Well, like, oh, and we tell ourselves these limiting beliefs, right? It's like, well, I need this to happen for this to happen. But in reality, I think once a decision is made, right? It's like, I will change. I choose to change. I've decided to change. You fall through with it, right? It's like you you point the direction, you just go, and that'll change your reality completely, right? It's like in which a year, two years, or maybe shorter, maybe longer. It's like you won't even recognize like what your life looks like or who you are, you know. Hmm. Um, but it's it's that it's that first step, right? It's like um, as a cliche as it sounds, like a thousand uh, and a thousand step journey begins with a single step, right? Hmm. Um, it's all true. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we could probably sit here and end up being like yeah, a just jam. talk for, for two, three more hours, but I, yeah, I know, obviously you got other things to do. So I definitely yeah. appreciate you being on the show today. I think you delivered a hell of value. I think the insight that people could kind of really understand like what is really like behind the scenes of scaling and monetizing a gym or a membership. And like you said, a service business, I think you fulfill that requirement 100%. And I appreciate you. Gosh, brother. Yeah, have to provide value when I can. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 762- 233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book. Appreciate you having me on. Great. S.A. Grant, over and out.